This is the Tao of Christ, and I'm Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which church historian Evelyn Underhill called the Unit of Life, and which Richard Rohr calls the Universal Christ, and which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. This is the Tao of Christ. afternoon, this is Marshall Davis. Today I'm going to be looking at the eighth and the final beatitude in what I am calling the Eightfold Path of Jesus. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is immediately followed by what some consider a ninth beatitude, but which is really better understood as an expansion of the eighth, because it deals with the same topic. Jesus simply shifts it from the third person to the second person. And he says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is Jesus' way of making it clear that he's bringing this set of non-dual beatitudes to a conclusion and applying them directly to the reader or the listener. The topic of this beatitude is persecution. I have never felt persecuted. I've never known persecution. Now, I know some evangelical Christians believe that Christians are being persecuted today in the United States. They aren't. They don't know what religious persecution is. Christianity is simply losing its place of privilege and power in the United States, and Christians mistake that for persecution. It's not persecution. Now, there is genuine persecution in the world, including persecution of Christians in some countries. And Muslims are persecuted in some countries, and same with Jews and Buddhists and Hindus and Sikhs and Baha'is and Parsis and many other religious and ethnic minority. Persecution tends to be most severe in countries where a fundamentalist form of religion or a militant form of atheism is in control of the government. The lack of religious freedom is a serious problem in the world. But Jesus is not talking about this. He's not talking about religious persecution in a general sense. He's talking about being persecuted for righteousness sake. He's talking about being persecuted for giving voice to what is now called non-duality. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. A more common translation is for righteousness sake. Now, so this centers on righteousness. In another episode recently, I explored what righteousness means. It means rightness, right relationship with reality, with what is right perception of reality. 
Jesus is not using the word righteousness in a legalistic sense, the way fundamentalists do. He's not talking about having to set things right by means of a human sacrifice offered on an instrument of torture in order to appease an angry deity so that God can then impute God's righteousness to your divine balance sheet. That's the way it is often understood by, by Christians today, but that's a distortion of what Jesus is talking about. That was developed much later. Righteousness is a fundamental rightness in the universe that can be known here now. As Browning wrote, God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. Knowing rightness by direct experience is what Jesus calls entering the kingdom of God or seeing the kingdom of God. That's what he's talking to Nicodemus about in third chapter of John. I call it unitive awareness or non-dual awareness. One might call it kingdom consciousness or Christ consciousness. I guess you could even call it righteousness consciousness. Well, that's kind of awkward to say. It's awareness of cosmic rightness that is here now. In this beatitude, Jesus says that knowing and declaring this rightness brings persecution on the one who proclaims it. I proclaim it, but as I said a moment ago, I've never known persecution. But I have experienced what Jesus describes in the next sentence when he expands the definition of persecution to include lesser forms of it. He says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, I have had people insult me and falsely say all kinds of evil against me because I proclaim Jesus's message of non-duality. This has come almost exclusively from evangelical or fundamentalist Christians, which is ironic because evangelicals tend to see themselves as the victims here, victims of a godless, secular, anti-Christian American culture. And they see themselves as being persecuted in the United States. But in my experience, they are the ones doing most of the persecuting of others who don't agree with them. It's not hard to see how the church has played the role of persecutor in church history and world history. The Inquisition, the Crusades, the pogroms, the racism, the anti-Semitism, the, the German Christian movement, that nationalistic movement of Nazi Germany come to mind. I see a resurgence of that type of mentality today around the world and in my own country. And it concerns me for the future of my country and the future of Christianity. My experience of being insulted and spoken against has been mild. Some nasty comments made online, former evangelical friends of mine have attacked me verbally, rejected me, but these insults and accusations really have been minor. It does not rise to the level 
of persecution. I have not been excommunicated from my church and denomination the way Meister Eckhart was, posthumously, I might add, even though my message is basically the same as his. And that's because I live in the 21st century and not the 14th century. Mostly, I am ignored by fellow Christians who disagree with me. I have a good relationship with the Baptist denomination and denominational leaders and, and colleagues here in New Hampshire is because I belong to a rather progressive Baptist denomination. And there are such things as progressive Baptists. I think that I've been accepted because Baptists have historically been strong advocates for what Baptists call soul liberty, you know, the individual religious freedom and tolerance of, of others. This has been true of Baptists throughout history and is still true of Baptists in the North, but that is changing rapidly in the South among Southern Baptists who are presently on a spree of excommunicating those who disagree with them. Baptists that disagree with them, they call it disfellowship, disfellowshipping. They disfellowship those churches of people who do not abide by their political, social, and theological agenda. But I don't have to worry about that. I no longer have a relationship with the Southern Baptist Convention, even though I attended a Southern Baptist Seminary. It's where I got my master's and doctoral degrees. And I have pastored Southern Baptist churches in the past, but no longer. Plus, I'm retired. It adds another dimension to it. The community church that I'm a part of here in New Hampshire accepts me. They invite me to preach occasionally. So I'm not persecuted. Although I have been assaulted and spoken evil against for righteousness sake, as Jesus says. But in those stricter churches and denominations, people might have a different story. It really depends on the church and the denomination and the country. People coming into unitive awareness ask me about this. They are concerned that they will be ostracized by their churches and by their Christian friends and by their denomination if they start talking about this. And I admit to them that this is possible. Jesus said that religious folks will treat us the way they treated him and look at what religious and political leaders did to Jesus. So what is a valid concern? But what we get in return for speaking truth is more than worth it. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven is worth it. The kingdom of heaven is certainly worth it, even if it means our earthly lives. As missionary Jim Elliott famously said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. One of the best parts of this eighth beatitude is the last part. After blessing us and others for being persecuted, Jesus says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they treated the prophets who were before you. So Jesus compares 
us to prophets. Now, the biblical prophets were almost always unpopular in their day, even though later their work got put into the Bible. They were unpopular with the powers that be, both of the established religion of their time and the worldly leaders of the nation or the empire at that time. John the Baptist was imprisoned and beheaded. Jeremiah was imprisoned. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den and the, and the fiery furnace. And the epistle to the Hebrews roll call faith it makes a whole list and shows how prophets were historically persecuted. The point is that speaking truth always has a cost. Another thing about prophets, prophets spoke in the name of God. And if you read the biblical prophets, it's clear that they spoke as God. Now that's important when talking about this in the context of non-duality. Prophets said, thus saith the Lord, and then they speak as the mouthpiece of God. In other words, they were speaking from God consciousness. The same with the psalmist. Be still and know that I am God, says the psalmist. The psalmists and the prophets knew God consciousness. They were speaking from what we would call today non-due awareness or divine consciousness, although they did not call it that. Divine consciousness is not just for some people long ago whose writings eventually got published in the scriptures. It's for us today. Scripture actually says that. On Pentecost, the Holy Spirit filled the early Christians and says that they spoke under the influence of God. And Peter got up and explained to all the people gathered there what this meant, that it was fulfillment of the prophecy of the prophet Joel, saying in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Unitive awareness is a form of this, is the source of this prophetic voice. Unitive awareness is a shift from speaking as our individual selves to speaking as divine self. It is speaking in the prophetic voice, you might call it. It's speaking as non-dual awareness. And that's what Jesus was doing. That's what we see throughout the Gospel of John. Whenever he says, I am, he is speaking as God the Son, as Son of God, calling God his Father, saying he was one with God. When people heard what he was saying, they persecuted him. And he warned us that we should not be surprised if people treat us the way they treated him. He said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. He said, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? So we have to expect opposition 
to this message of non-duality. We have been warned by Jesus about this. But we've also been blessed by Jesus. In this and in all of the Beatitudes. And what more could we want than that? And that is it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ. Thank you.